Hello and welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. I am your host, Brady Fitzgerald, joined as always by my co-host, Chris Hagan. You guys doing? We have, I'm doing pretty well, but we have a special guest today. Uh, I had to bring in, we're doing NBA offseason stuff. Had to bring in my uh, my expert, Aaron Barton, um, feller, feller uh, TDX member in, in Theta Delta Chi, University of South Carolina. Aaron, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? It is a pleasure to be here, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm doing pretty good. Just got off work, ready to talk some ball with some wise guys. It's better than talking ball on a on a Friday afternoon, right? I don't think off the weekend the right way. Exactly. There's nothing better than it. Well, big news this morning in your Charlotte area, Aaron. Michael Jordan, the team owner for the past 13 years, has decided to sell the team. He um, has. So, I mean, it, it hasn't hasn't been a great run with Jordan, but no. Um, so, what is your what's your excitement level at with the new um, in? It's it's hard to say because I mean it's in the middle of like you know obviously the team is undergoing a bunch of changes from the jump before, you know, we even found out about this. I think that this definitely helps. Um, I don't think, you know, despite like a lot of people think it's, or a lot, like a good amount of Hornets fans think it's, you know, kind of a monumental change happening with us, which I, I think long-term definitely, but short-term it doesn't change a ton. Um, A few stats that I wanted to make sure that, I read for us here, just pulled up a post. Shout out to Charlotte Hornets only, if any of you listening happen to be Hornets fans. Um, He's a friend of a friend. He's a great Hornets fan page. Here's a few stats. In Michael Jordan's 13 seasons as the Hornets owner, never won a playoff series, never finished higher than sixth in the East, fifth worst winning percentage in the NBA. Um, Which, and he's still worst. Actually, sounds pretty good based on those other stats. (laughs) But he made $2 billion off the sale, which is more than he's made with his Nike deal. And I think they said, um, yeah, MJ will still make over $2 billion on the deal, which is more than he has made from Nike in 40 years. So pretty crazy. Damn. However, what, I, what I'm hoping, because my dad and I were talking about this earlier, what I'm hoping is that this leads to – Either next season, before the season starts, I don't care. I want Clifford gone. Um, I don't know why Jordan decided it was the right thing to do to bring him back. I know Kupchak was in on that too. I think Kupchak, I just kind of have new, neutral feelings of towards him right now. But I personally would not mind seeing him go, really. Um, my final opinion on him is going to really be made up of what what we do with this number two pick. There's some... There's a lot of good things that we can do with this pick and very few bad things. But if we screw it up, I'm going to be off the hook. So I think, sorry, to go back to answer your original question, I think my excitement level, I'm, I'd say I'm content with it. Like, I'm happy. I'm not, like, thrilled. I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of just sitting in my seat, just leaning back, looking at what might happen, you know? Yeah, do you see with this ownership change uh, a little more aggression with this number two pick, a little more safety with this number two pick? Um, where do you want them to go, and where do you think? I mean, there's happen? really like two guys, right? 
Right. Um, kind of going back and forth on. I I'm in the I'm in the um camp of either draft scoot or trade the pick. Um personally I'd like I Brandon Miller very well could be a great player. He very well could be. Um but I think, you know, Bill Simmons said it great in I think even like December. Um if it weren't for Victor Wembignana being essentially a bona fide as soon as he hits the league probably the first guy since Blake Griffin to be a rookie all-star. I mean, he's going to like no one's questioning that the chance of him being a bust is just about as minimal as could be. Um, so if he weren't in this draft, Scoot would be the clear-cut number one guy um, as of December. And now some of that's changed because Brandon Miller had a really solid season. But people are forgetting that Scoot is also – there's a chance that this guy is generational. And in my opinion, when there's a guy that's generational that's there, you have to take him. That's just my opinion. Like you just like you have to take him on that chance that if this hits, then it changes the trajectory of your franchise pretty much forever. So I'm I'm in the camp of just because of the quote unquote fit, which I don't even think is bad, because at the end of the day, we we obviously we've needed to trade Terry for a long time. I mean, he's a short shooting guard that can't play defense. Um, you move you don't necessarily move Lamelo to the two, but I mean, backcourts are so fluid now. He's really good off ball, really solid catch and shooter. So at the end of the day, like I'm, I go bring in Scoot. You know, you have good wings anyways, and Miles and Kelly. Um, or if you don't bring in Scoot, trade the pick. I was, you know, Bi is an option that they like apparently. Um, I mean, I personally would love Zion. I don't know why the Hornets wouldn't love Zion. I know. You know, the injury concerns are a big thing, but, I mean, he's a superstar when he's healthy. He's, like, numbers say that he's a top-five player in the league when healthy. So, I, I mean, that's just a guy that I would not mind at all taking a flyer on. But at the end of the day, um, you know, that, that's, that's my thoughts on what we, what we should do with the number two pick. I You know, if we take Brandon Miller, I'm not going to lie, I would be pretty upset just because I think that there's less of a chance that he becomes exactly what we need with the number two pick than like, you know, with it being, or rather than it being as rewarding of taking that chance on a guy like Scoot, you know, yes, he needs the ball in his hands to be successful, of course, but he's a player that it's, I mean, just watch the tape. He's ridiculous. And I, I don't know. I'm all for Scoot. I'm all for trading it. One of those things, let it happen. Or make it happen. You would you would be okay with the trade with the Pelicans to get Grum, or does it have to be Zion? Um, I per it depends because the thing about it is so many people would say things similar to if we got Ingram that it would make it similar to or why wouldn't you just draft Brandon Miller in that case? And in my opinion, it's like, dude, Brandon Ingram is a ridiculously good player. I mean, he's putting up 25 a game. Last time he was healthy enough for to be able to contend for it, he was an all-star. Um, he produces at high levels. He's great late in game, and he's a good wing. And having a good wing would give us flexibility to if the mile if Miles doesn't get back to where he needs to be, we want to even play Miles at the four. 
whatever happens there, if we don't want to re-sign Kelly and we want a long-term answer at the three, I'm all for Ingram. Do I think that the number two pick is worth Ingram and Ingram alone? I don't know. What I, so maybe there's another piece there that would be even, you know, added in another solid role player. I don't know. I mean, like, it's it's too much to ask for another guy like an Herb Jones. If it's not, though, I would love an Herb Jones. I would love, I mean, if they would even consider throwing Alvarado in there. I mean, like, I would love that. Like, I just think, you know, I, I'd be perfectly good with Ingram. Um, I would be, I just wouldn't want to do, you know, like, even players slash salaries and Zion, I'm good with that. But if it's Ingram alone, I would rather, like, have Ingram and another role player is kind of where I'm at. I think that makes sense. You get the you get the upside with the Zion trade where you can you can bonify that you can uh, dis, like defend that saying hey we're getting this this number one mm-hmm. pick he was in the bad situation uh, Pelicans weren't the team for him he hasn't been healthy and some of these guys it seems like like just look at Embiid I mean he didn't play the first two years of his season or of his career. Um, and then he stayed like more than that, honestly. Yeah. And he, he hasn't, you know, stayed the healthiest, but hasn't had a season where he's missing, uh, you know, 65% of the games since then. So I think if you're getting Zion, you're hopefully getting after all this stuff coming out about him, hopefully a motivated player, want someone who wants to recreate his image. Um, and you know, from, from Carolina, from South Carolina, actually. Right. So close to home. Um, pl- played in your your Duke. Um, and and I, I think that would be a perfect fit. And I, I think that's the way you got to look at it, where if you're getting Ingram, definitely try to get maybe even a Dyson Daniels if you can. Try to get that, that two guard right. somewhere else. Um, and maybe you throw back Terry Rozier or maybe you throw back uh, a Kelly, Kelly Oubre. So right. – uh, Sadly, Kelly's think... restricted free agent, so he wouldn't be able to do that. But oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like a Terry take Gordon's contract off, like one of those guys, you know, like probably Terry or Gordon, one or one or the other. If you, we could even make it work to do both, and if they throw in another role player with a bad contract, I would have to look at their like the team and their current contracts to see exactly who that would be. But if they can make that work, like take both off our shoulders, please. I don't like, get it for the Pelicans though. Uh, you're gonna. I don't know. I listen. They just apparently really want Scoot, and I don't understand that. They have CJ. Like, do they not understand? Like, the Blazers tried to do this. They had Dame and they had CJ, and it didn't work. And they're In not. Opinion, they're not trying to get a worse Dame and still an older CJ. I I just personally, and before I go into this take, um, I sadly apparently Charlotte has said that we don't want Zion, which I mean, oh. I can understand why it's. You know, want to be on the safest of sides to take him, but apparently That's they, yeah, sex. apparently they would prefer Ingram over Zion. I don't know, but to go into my take, I mean, personally, New Orleans was the only time this season where the Nuggets were not the highest seed in the West. It was New it was Orleans. When Zion's was healthy, yeah, and exactly. So I don't think that their problem. My thing about it is. If you want to trade Zion because of that, I get it. If that's what you want to do, then go for it by all means. But I just don't think their problems roster construction. I think it's health. 
I mean, when they were healthy, they showed that they were a very good team. Not even, and the amount of games, I mean, I'd have to look this up, but I think they played somewhere around under 20 games together this entire season with both Zion and Ingram. So, like, when you look at it like that, it's like, dude, when they had both of their stars, they were an incredible team. When they only had Zion, they were a great team. When they only had Ingram, they were still a really solid team. So I just think it's like, dude, why don't you try to just spend one year, just try to have everybody healthy. And if you don't, that's when I'd say throw in the towel. Like if, and, and just try and, you know, move some guys around. But I get it. You want to get ahead of the game while their value's still up. You know, I understand. But I just don't, I, I just don't frankly see why you would do that after your team was just first in the East when they were healthy. That's just my opinion. Are, how much merit are we actually going to put into the Zion report? And I know like we have a couple stories on here that we're going to talk about basically that same thing, but and it comes out that what was the initial report that they're like taking calls on him? Well, just an hour ago, they did say that Zion essentially has no relationship with the Pelicans. Yeah, that, like, I saw that. I, I feel like that's fake. It very well could be, but that's just that Bleacher Report threw that up. I saw that he's like not talking to players and coaches. So who knows? It very and if that's the case, then I'd be shocked if he doesn't get traded somewhere, whether it be Charlotte, whether it be elsewhere, or whatever. But if that's not like that as you said, Brady, very well may not be the case. I mean you never know. The uh the sorry, the comments are are comments about you, A B. JJ's in oh, the really? comments. Tommy's in the comments. Really? My mom actually is in the comments. Oh. Not my actual mom. It's Tommy. Um, <laughs> but anyways, the yeah, I, I we we kind of came into this saying what what's what are some of these stories that are gonna be real? What are some of these that are pretty fake? Um, I'm putting my stamp on the Zion one that that's fake. There's no I, I as you just just oh go ahead. I was just gonna say I can't imagine that. Has it been like three years? Mm-hmm. He got mm. drafted, and like you're, we're talking about Wemby yeah. being this guy whose possibility of him being a bust is so low, and he's this crazy hyped prospect. Ion was maybe not to the level that Wemby is right now, but very close to that level of hype going in. Correct. And no one denies that he has the talent. Right. Yeah, and and I, like I cannot imagine them moving on from that already and not just last year as aaron was talking about but the past ever since they've drafted him every time he's healthy he is a dominant dominant player and he he's he's out there and he disrupts everything that all the other teams are doing there's they run that point zion they people don't know how to defend it and there's there there's just no no real merit to kim him on the trade block and you're not going to get if you get scoot henderson um that is you're, you're hoping scoot henderson becomes a better version and a better better version of like a, 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 some guard but when you have zion you're looking for a peak uh peak power for that can play center he's versatile right. he uh he moves the ball well he's smart when he when he has the ball in his hands and that's just always been more valuable in the NBA. Guard one through five. Yeah. 
Yep. And you're you're also to me you're banking on Scoot reaching his potential versus banking on Zion simply being healthy, which I say simply, it's not at least simple wouldn't be a good way to describe it. But I I just don't like that because you know one guy when he does play is one of the best players in the NBA. He is a superstar when he plays. Not just a star. When he is healthy, he is a superstar. But he's not healthy that often. So I I understand their thought process with it, but I have a take that, in my opinion, I think with how many owners now are so progressive, I think that almost everybody in the NBA, especially with how there's not a Cavs-Warriors situation and there's so much clarity and so much talent, I think that almost every owner in the league is in win-now mode. Because, I mean, you saw it with the Suns and Monty, too. You saw it with the Bucks. I mean, with the Bucks and Bud, that didn't surprise me, and I completely understand that move. But I think more so it applies with Phoenix and Monty because it's like, you know, you look at that, and they lost to the team that won the championship, and they lost in six with Chris Paul and Aiton both hurt. And it was only two years after Monty took them to the finals. So in my opinion, it's like you're missing your starting point guard. You're missing your starting center. And you've had a team that only played, I believe, like 13 games together with their core before the playoffs. If that. Like, like you didn't even get to see this team work and you chose you you fire your coach after and it's it's a different situation obviously we're you know it's coach being fired player being traded whatever but it's you know I, there's so much less patience in the league today because i think there's almost every owner is like you know i saw how the warriors did it we can be that like we want to be that there's nobody that's like going to consistently win every year other than like denver that is obviously by far like the most you know sturdy contender right now so why not try and go turn ourselves into that in reality i just think that that line of thinking can lead to being so flawed because then you're just constantly trying to i mean there's really there's only been one franchise that stayed in contention for almost the entirety of them being around and that's miami and that's because pat riley's just a genius and that's because Eric Spolster is a phenomenal coach. And outside of that, there's just not a team that's like successfully been able to say, hey, let's just contend for 20 years. And then... Spurs for a while. Huh? Spurs, well, yeah, Spurs yeah, for a yeah. while. But you also had a generational coach there. You had Tim Duncan who played for 60 years. Right, right. And that, exactly. That's, it's a, that's another example. Right. But even the Spurs at some point were like, you know what? Now's the time to burn it down. And they burned it down, and now they have Trey Jones, Victor Wembanyama, Jeremy Sohan. I mean, they have a very solid young core. And, I mean, on top of Kelton Johnson, Keon, I mean, these guys that, like, this team could be a contender in two or three seasons, like, if it goes as planned. So it's like, you know, even they are a genius organization and said, yeah, if you're going to pull the plug, the faster – 
you get back to contention is if you pull the plug 110%. Like, you don't leave, you don't do what Charlotte did, and you leave the plug in, like, just by 10 or 20% so that you suck, but you don't suck bad enough to get the picks or to get, you know, just, like, that level of pity to where you are genuinely the worst team in the league. Forever, we were treading around that 10 to 12 range, and it sucked. Because we were constantly getting Sounds like the Wizards, like, right? It's that's why the Wizards suck. Like, and which is why the Beal rumors are now a thing. Because it's like pull the plug, or become a great team. But you got to commit to one or the other. You know, I don't know. Yeah, and I think that brings a great point into when you're looking at the the landscape of next year. There's going to be a couple teams that are surprisingly going to be tanking and it's it's not a lot of teams i mean you look at the western conference the trailblazers want to still compete somehow uh the spurs want to start winning games with victor Wembanyama. uh jazz started winning games last year um mavericks just happened i mean they want to win but they're just garbage uh (laughs) so when you're looking at the landscape i mean is when you're looking at is the wizards going to be one of the only tanking teams in the the league coming next year they could be I'm assuming that that pressure, that there's pressure from the top down. Like, the Sixers got crucified. And they, like, they didn't try to hide it at all. It was a very open tank job, but league does not want that. Like, that's not what the league wants. That's why they changed the way the draft lottery works, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, what, if you're if you're the top three worst team, you have a 14% yes. chance at number one? Is yeah. that how it's set up? No, no, uh, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, top it, three get... It, 14 and then it's 12 and a half after 14 right yeah yeah but they're like guaranteed uh, like top five or like the top three teams are like guaranteed top five or whatever yeah or bottom also like, just don't get ripped off on the note on the note of teams tanking slash not tanking don't be surprised when you see charlotte is better than they're supposed to be or better than the majority of people insiders Guys who just run shows like y'all end up performing better than they slash we think they're going to be. And the reason why I say that, it's not like the record was anything amazing, but the last time they had a healthy start to the season and a healthy core of LaMelo, Gordon Hayward, and Miles Bridges, their record was, I believe, 22 and like, 14 or something along those lines or maybe it was 24 and 16 yeah 24 and 16 sounds right and it was in 2021 and they're fourth in the east they're fourth in the east and i i'm not saying they could have like kept that up the whole season but then one injury after another and then the season came around obviously you know when your all-star goes down and misses the vast majority of the season that's not going to help when your guy who was a fringe all-star ends up, you know, doing some pretty terrible things. That doesn't help. And when Gordon Hayward is just a role player now and can't produce the way that he once did, that doesn't help either. But now that we're in this position where we'll either get a very good player, or no, we'll either get a chance on a great player or a very good player out of a trade, and you're going to come into the season healthy, and you're going to get the guy... Who did the tough thing back, assuming he doesn't, you know, we don't trade him. 
or something along those lines. I think we could be solid. Do I think we're going to be, you know, in contention year one? No. I think in the next five years? Yeah, I do. So you're the GM. Just to wrap up. Working around the, the Miles Bridges stuff, yeah, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think there's a really uh, politically correct way to say he committed domestic violence. <laughs> yeah, it was, it really was pretty a tough, tough thing. Really it was really a good way to phrase it. <laughs> so to wrap up this Hornets talk, you're the GM. There's, it's Zion or Scoot Henderson are your two options. Yeah. What do you do? Um, gosh, that's tough because you're asking me that's to put question. in his shoes. Um, because that, because the thing about it, that, that why I didn't think of the camp that I'm definitively in with that one is because I told myself I'm fine with either, you know, both. Yes. Both are dice rolls, um, with Scoot. You have your banking on him becoming that all-star, potentially even all-NBA player. Um, you're banking on the fit working with Lamelo, which although I defend it more than the vast majority of NBA fans and Hornets fans do, and I think that it could work more than that those camps typically do, um, it's, still in, it's still a question mark. Um, you're banking on those things with Scoot. With Zion, you're purely banking off health um which is a really tough thing to do you're avoiding the question (laughs) you're avoiding the question i'm talking right around it because of banking on health i think i'm gonna have to go scoot and because the like i just i'm the thing with scoot is you can the thing with scoot is you can you could be like like doesn't work out year one you're like ah five more years give him more time yeah you can say yeah if he's not if he comes in as a rookie and he's not you know just blow your mind incredibly great year one it's like okay you know that's not the most shocking thing but personally i think he'll be pretty ready year one um but obviously he won't reach his full potential year one but i think he's going to come in ready um but personally um you know, I, I'd go Scoot just because he doesn't, you know, he's not incredibly injury prone. He had an injury with which they said, like, took him out of the rest of his season in the G. Um, but it was more so kind of a, hey, you know, you're going to be the probable second overall pick in the draft. We, it wouldn't yeah, be Yeah, yeah, shut him down. Yeah, yeah. All the NBA to play you. It makes sense. Um, but because of that, I you know I I just have to as as the GM in this hypothetical scenario, I have to go with the guy that's not injury prone. You know, yeah. I just I want the best for Zion. You I do. also don't have to give up assets, right? You know, and what I would also say is that you know there's it it'd be easier to you know if you just draft Scoot and then you find trades for Terry to trade for Gordon or somehow both together, even with getting guys in return that just better fit our franchise. I personally would rather do that. Um, But if we do trade for Zion, I would be thrilled with that too, because he's again, he's when he plays top five player in the league, superstar, great player. would love to have him, but you know, it's those two options for me. Outside of those options, I'd be fine with other potential trades, 
I'd be fine with, you know, some things, but I'm not fine with anybody other than Scoot with that pick if that's what we end up doing. So, All right. Yeah. To move along to another um, – this is fun for me. I get to have two bottom dwellers on my podcast. Um, the Bradley Beal rumors. Both of us ended the year on the couch. That's true. That's true. Same. Uh, so Bradley Beal, big uh, big week for Brad. Rumors flying all around. Um, Chris, wh- I mean, where do you what do you want from from a from a Beal trade? I don't know how much they're actually going to be able to get because of the ridiculous contract that he signed mm-hmm. has. Not only does it have a no trade clause. No reason. It also has a fifteen percent trade kicker, which means when he he gets traded, traded, gets extra fifteen percent on top of his salary. Ooh. So, like, so he's gonna be making like sixty heavily. a year later, later yes, in his contract. It's, work, it's gonna work heavily against them in negotiations. His value—I put this on Twitter—but his value was peak like two years ago. Right. So we were discussing should they trade him or not, and. I think in that boat, or at that time, I was in the boat of, like, yes, let's trade him. And I, I don't, it bothers me sometimes talking about it because a lot of Wizards fans are just like, oh, like, get him out of here. And he's been a loyal player, obviously, which you don't see that much in the NBA. Like, he does stuff for the city, he's a good guy, and all that. But, like, He's not worth what his contract is. He's not a player that you build around. So just tearing it down is in the right step, regardless of what you get back for him. So I don't know. Like mock trades I saw were not, not pretty. No, the nothing's been really pretty. Like, Hero yeah. and Duncan Robinson. Which is like fine, I guess. I'd take Hero. Um the Sixers one was like Tobias Harris and know some scrub at least with that trade tobias harris. tobias harris is a expiring contract though so you can either but i'd rather have like a decent young player like hero than that's fair so you'd rather have scrub. like a hero what about a what about a jordan pool i would take pool oh well, Barton's Barton shaking his head. No, Barton's shaking his head. I mean, it, it, it's, he's going into like his third year. It at least gives you a, a young piece. Change of scenery. Jordan Poole is. Are we, we, are we forgetting that Jordan Poole was like actually a decent player? Just and he got punched in the face. Oh, let's not forget he got punched in the face by his teammate. That's kind of big. It did happen, yeah. Okay, well, he's younger than I thought he was. For some reason, I thought he played longer at Michigan than he did. Um, I just. I don't know. I think that um it would I think that it would be Personally, I'm just I'm not in the big I'm not really high in the Jordan Poole camp. I just I like I think that when I was highest on him in um 2022 when when he Steph... won the finals no, um, when Steph broke his hand and he, Jordan, it was their backcourt was basically Jordan and Clay um, for a long time and to end the season. And then Steph came back, I believe, in the middle of the first round um, within, I, it was either game three or game four, something like that. Um, Jordan was incredible. Um, in, that, in that role, he was very good. 
um, which yes, would gives you the encouragement that he could be solid with an expanded role. But after this season to where they signed him to that contract and he, you know, he just isn't, you know, like it, it takes me back to Bill Simmons hold the secret. You know, it, it feels to me like Jordan Poole just, he never wanted to buy in with Golden State after he got paid. I mean, it's this whole season, you know, when he doesn't start, he just gets angry about it. And he, you know, he takes wild shots. He's not a great defender. He's not efficient. I mean, if you look at it metric wise, he's one of the least efficient guys in the league. So, um, I mean, and that's shot selection. That's just shot making. He just didn't make as many of his shots this year. Um, I, I'm just, I feel like this year damaged Jordan Poole's growth. Um, beyond repair? So I wouldn't want to take a flyer on him. Not necessarily beyond repair, but is he somebody that I would want in return for an all-star guard? No. Now, I know the options... Is even a player for Beal? What you I haven't even heard. Like, are the Warriors even a player? I don't, heard I don't think so. I, yeah, I've only seen. I haven't heard the Warriors once. Um, but like you know, we're yeah, just talking hype, like hype, like if they would want Jordan Poole, that's why. That's that's my that's current opinion on any team other than guess. Golden State keeping Poole. Um, but no, I mean, what I was gonna say on Beal, I think it very closely mirrors the Russ situation from a few years ago. Um, I think with how bad his contract is, um, it was just like you were saying, Chris. I mean, it makes. As soon as Washington signed him to that contract, it basically told all other teams, because at that point, there was a lot of trade talk around Beal. There was, will he sign somewhere else? There was like, what was going to happen with Bradley Beal? And then they signed him to that ridiculous deal, and it basically told all fans and other teams, we're not trading Beal, Beal's in it for the long haul. And now look where they're at. And if they're looking to pull the plug, sure, sure, I get it. But now you're too late to go luxury shopping. If you see some good young players, if if it comes up, if that Miami trade actually exists with Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, I would do that in a heartbeat. Personally, I would I would do that in a heartbeat. Um, that's just because I feel like that's just about maximum value that you're going to get for guy for a guy like Bradley Beal who's on such a terrible contract. And I think it also benefits team both teams to an extent. Bradley Beal's a terrible defender, but with that Heat culture, you know, like I'm sure that that would be a team that could really help him in terms of winning. I think that Jimmy's a good mind to pair Beal with. Um, I think that people forget that Beal is a bucket, and a lot of the time Miami just needed a guy that could go get a bucket, and in general they do play good defense. So I think that that team could like would get a lot better with Beal coming in, um, and if they see Tyler Hero and I mean because in my opinion I think that Hero was like well he was really close to being an All Star but if you voted for him to be an All Star I would have understood it I mean he had a great year until he was hurt at different points but he's a very good player that very well could be an All Star within the next few seasons. I'm taking Hero and Robinson if they're on the table. That's just me. I think it's uh I think that's probably the most realistic fit for both sides. Uh you look at the Heat, uh you just mentioned I mean, and even if you look 
and there's everyone's worried about his contract. Everyone's worried about how they're going to fill fill the rest of the team around him with the contract. Uh, that really hasn't mattered for the Miami Heat. They will find right. players to to plug in. They will find undrafted guys to fill the role. They'll find some Cody Martin off the bench or Caleb Martin off the bench. Uh, yeah, those guys grow on trees for the Heat, but only for the Heat. Right? No, yeah. that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but they'll just find anybody like that, and they'll turn them into an effective role player. In the and playoffs. we just saw. Tyler Hero out for all of the playoffs. They they beat every team in front of them besides the the Nuggets, and they made it to the NBA Finals. So you replace that um, with just Bradley Beal, and all of a sudden you could be competing in the finals and maybe right. maybe stealing a couple more games from the Nuggets. Uh, I want to throw this at you, Chris. R.J. Barrett and a first round pick and some salary I was filler. Just looking at that one, I would I'd take it. I would too. I don't like. I would much rather have Tyler Hero. I would, but he's like a young-ish guy that cannot. You wouldn't necessarily build around him, but he would kind of be like the centerpiece for your your rebuild for a little bit. Yeah, right. At least like it gives you something. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot. I mean. As you said, Brady, you know, I'm I'm a Duke guy. You know, a lot of my family went there. I've been a Duke guy my whole life. It was the first thing I was introduced to sports-wise. I'll always be a Duke fan. Um, so I I love RJ. I think that oh. at his best, he's a great player. Um, he showed that for Canada. He showed that he's shown that in flashes in the league. Um, he... Showed that at Duke, um, not with his shooting, but with other things. And I think that he still can be a superstar in the league. It's just, it's such a weird situation because he hasn't showcased much growth in New York. I mean, he, he's, you know, you've seen the production go up, but everybody said, you know, this guy, he gets a better jumper. He finishes more efficiently at the rim. This guy very well could be an right, all That sounds like we're talking about Ben Simmons. Right. Oh, but he then, just didn't learn how to shoot the basketball. Right. But RJ has not gotten better at shooting, and he still is not efficient finishing at the rim. And that's been his story. And <laughs> at least, hey, if we're talking Ben Simmons, at least he's trying. At least he's putting the shots up. <laughs> he's out but, there. <laughs> yeah. But come on. I mean, why, why won't you see him – just like like you would hope these percentages go up at some point. But why I see there being reason for optimism with an RJ is that, you know, the Knicks identity is so weird. You know, on any given night, you know, yes, typically their best player is one of either Brunson or Randall. But it's never definitively Brunson. It's never definitively Randall. Sometimes it's even RJ. It's like, screw it. Whichever on any given night is hot, We'll just go to them. And yeah, they have the same schemes, but it's just like there's no consistent identity with the Knicks, I feel like, other than that grit and grind level play, which I personally love. I love watching Knicks games. But does that mean that it makes the development of R.J. Barrett easier? I don't think so. So if you give R.J. a team like Washington and you say, hey, man, just ball. Play your game. Get better. I want you to be the guy for us. You never know. You never know. I'm not willing to fully close the book on him like yet. Randall, which which New York. 
Huh? Could be like a Randall was in New York. Like Randall was the big Knicks act yeah. acquisition, and it was like, uh eh. and yeah, he was decent with the Lakers for a year, and he comes in, and all of a sudden he's elevated to a much higher status. He's not a superstar by any means, but they're a playoff team, and he was in New Orleans then, right? Uh, he... was he in New Orleans? That of the he, Lakers. I think he was in New Orleans before he went to New York, but I mean, same sentiment though. Like, I think it went, yeah, yeah, because he was drafted in L.A., traded to New Orleans. Okay, well, that's why I remembered him on the Lakers. Played with, yeah. no. Just, one, just that one season. Yeah, no, I mean, but yeah, no, it's the same exact sentiment, like, 1,000%. I think it very, it, like, it very well could happen that way to where a change of scenery on top of different usage, it could really help his growth. You don't know. So... It depends. If that Heat trade is there and that Knicks trade is there, I mean, obviously it's, you know, you're the Wizards fan, Chris. I would pick the Heat trade, but if that Heat trade is not there and you're looking for the best trade available and you see a first-round pick in R.J. Barrett, I'd do that in RB. But if the Heat trade is there, then I would really have to sit down and think about it. Yeah, I mean, the the pick is enticing, but... If it's not, it's the Knicks pick, expect the Knicks to be a playoff team, so you're not going to get a lottery pick. But I guess you're not getting a lottery pick from anybody. No, because only it's, contenders it's only, want them. Only contenders are making this trade. Yeah. Right. And um, you got to make sure the pick has no protections, and you got to make sure the pick is, like, three years from now or something along those lines. Yeah. You know? That's what I'd do to make it. Actually, if I'm the Knicks, though, if it's going to be a fair trade – I think you would have to make it like a top 10 protected pick or maybe maybe just top five. But hmm. just, just because, you know, you like, yeah, if it's a top five pick, you know, having giving up RJ and a top five pick to get Beal, like that would be outrageous. But so I like I would accept it if they said top five or even top 10 protected and RJ Barrett. I'm going to throw one more trade at you, Chris. Um Boy. Wizards get Davion Mitchell, Kevin Herter, Rashad Holmes, Saw and a first-round pick. For I like Davis. Mitchell a lot. I do too. And your boy, your boy Herter's coming out. I would gladly, I would gladly take Herter back. <laughs> I think that would back, be a good one too. So. I think when you're looking picks-wise, uh, who has the potential to get Bradley Beal and completely blow up afterwards? It the Knicks are. I mean, the Kings are right up there and just any random Think? thing can happen i mean it's the kings any random thing can happen and all of a sudden they're completely I mean, just, I mean the knicks if we're talking about teams that could absolutely implode that's I true i think the knicks first round pick over any team. that's fair um, yeah that is fair uh i think that I, I feel like that would be weird with the kings i don't really know I, why I I would do that. what would that look like it would look like but like his fit. Yeah, Fox, Beal, Fox, and Sabonis. Not a lot of defense there. Fox, Beal, Barnes, Murray, and you trade your like your best defender. Yeah, I. I don't know. I personally think the Kings should just. They should just run I don't back. Think they should be in the Bradley Beal market. I agree with you. I think that I they should either. just keep the same guys that they got. 
you know, they already now they have playoff experience against a team that won the championship the prior year. I mean, I think that they're in a great position and everybody just needs more experience. You know, I mean, you saw, you know, the Warriors didn't win, you know, like they became the Warriors became a very good team before they became a great team. And there weren't like there were a few important additions along the way, but it was like an Iguodala. Like mm-hmm. I want Iguodala. It was like him. <laughs> or it was like Sean Livingston. Like it was like guys that were, you know, on paper minor, but changed the locker room and changed the team in stretches. You know, they weren't like it wasn't, you know, big roster adjustments. And I think that things like that are more what the Kings should be in the market for than a screw it, we were third in the East or in the West. Yeah, let's get Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal to solve our problems. I, that I goes back to what you said earlier about the lack of patience that we right. see so often. It's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. we lost in the playoffs. Like, we got to change everything. Like, no. I don't okay, think. And I told you this, Brady, after. Celtics got bounced. It's the toughest thing to do is just run it back. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's not the worst idea in the world. Right. That's another topic with you guys for another day. But so, moving on, yet again, Damian Lillard. This has been the hardest player in recent memory who seems like there's a high possibility of him getting traded, but not a lot of actual viable teams for him to go to um I think that's kind of weird saying especially when we just talked about Bradley Beal with all these options um I haven't seen a lot of rumors with Dame uh, actually I saw today that it seems like the Trailblazers don't want to build around the third pick uh want to try to keep running the back with Dame uh where do you guys see what what do you guys see happening with the Portland Trailblazers as a whole or Damian Lillard finding a new home I think I, that it. Sorry, no. Go ahead, Chris. Okay. Um, I don't see anything changing until he like formally requests a trade, and I think with that third pick, I think he's probably confident enough in their ability to go get uh, an impact player that he can play alongside right now. I don't know if he's right to be confident in them because they haven't exactly been best at constructing a an effective roster around him i've seen from the years of lillard being in portland he seems very committed to being there yeah um i agree with you but i want to push back on the first thing you said just because he said when they originally asked him if he was interested in them bringing in a top young player this was before the draft lottery he said, young player, we already have young players. I don't think that this team like needs to go out and get another young guy, basically. So it's like, he doesn't want them to draft somebody. He wants them to like trade he wants, he wants to use that pick. Right. So and I should have clarified. That no, no, yeah, you're, you're good. And with that, I think that that means that they should feel like if they want to build around Dame and they want to win with Dame, then because of him and because he's been loyal to them this long while he's been in his prime and still stayed in Portland when it was a dumpster fire at times, dude, win with him. And when you like, if, 
he's not requesting a trade, then trade the damn pick and get some good return. I mean, make it happen. It's not that hard, and you have a guy who wants to stay with you. Now, if you want to go young, I understand that. But then trade Dame and get some good capital out of it and call it a day. You know, that's what I see happening. What do I see? I think that it's more likely that Portland screws it up and drafts somebody <laughs> with number three pick and Dame's not happy still. I think that's the most likely thing that happens. Do I think that that's what should happen? Absolutely not. I think they should go all in on one approach or the other. And I think that they have the tools to go all in on if they do want to contend. Dude, you have Simons. Trade Simons. I don't know. I mean, he's probably got to have some value. He's a great young player. I mean, well, not great, but, you know, he's a young guy that's averaging, what, 20-some a game? Like, he's real. I like Simons. Some other teams should probably like him, too. If you want to go and you want to win now, then commit to it. You have ways to do that. You got Simons. You got the pick. Now you got Jeremy Grant in as a really solid role player. I mean, personally, I think that they should do that. But if they want to go young, then they should do Dame right. Get him to a team that's going to be good with him. Get him to a team where he likely could win a ring. And then call it a day. I think they, I think they should dump Dame. I think they definitively they should dump Dame. It hasn't worked. It's you're not going to get anyone any no free agents coming to Portland. Uh, we've seen that time and time again. We, they they're in the they're the number three pick in a three man draft class so far. When the drop off is at four, you're you're already there. You don't know when the next time the lottery ball is going to fall in your favor, and you're going to be up that high. Um, I think they already have Shaden Sharp, as you said, Anthony Simons, young core pieces that are already in place. Um, I think Dame has been a Dame is a 32 year old point guard who can't, who doesn't play defense anymore. And yeah, he can, he can gear up 50 points any game he wants, but, um, maximizing on that value, look around the league. There's not, there's, there's not that one guy that you're going to fit with Dame and all of a sudden you're going to beat the nuggets. It's not mm. possible. It's the, like, maybe it's, maybe uh, and I think honestly, the the biggest puzzle piece to Portland's whole situation is what your Charlotte Hornets do it too, uh, Mr. Barton. Because if if they take Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson is on the board at three, all of a sudden you have a lot of teams gunning up to try to get that third pick, and. I, as as you've clarified, I think it would be a mistake taking Miller at two, but right. that's where that's where the mocks are right now, and that's where we're te- it's possible. It's definitely possible. So if that comes into fruition, you take you take Scoot. We, the the things that we just talked about with the Hornets, you take Scoot, um, and you try to get as much as you can for Dame. But I guess then if the third pick becomes Scoot, it's uh, it's a lot more valuable. Maybe you can get a Zion out of that. Maybe you can get a Brandon Ingram. I just don't see how... It, I, I love Dame. I think Dame and Zion would be a great pairing, but do I think they're going to win a chip together? No. Yeah. I think That's the cool. biggest hurdle to trading Dame is that Damian Lillard sells tickets. Yes. The ownership yep. probably does not want to dump their star point guard everyone in the city loves yeah take that bath on whatever they lose in ticket sales honestly i think that's what it is 
No, I agree. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and Brady, I had actually, I really appreciate that approach and I like that. Um, I think that, you know, they're kind of just to, to further off what you're saying, you know, there's, it's, there's a higher chance that when you build from the ground up like Denver's or like Denver did, like Golden State did, like San Antonio did, you know, there's a higher chance that you can be successful and be successful for a longer period of time than if you do it the Phoenix way and you just put guys in the same room that are all very talented and say, let's figure it out. Like there's a better chance that you can be good and be good for longer, you know, if you do it the way that you just described, you know, when you have a Simons, when you have a Sharp, when you have whoever they can take with a third pick, it wouldn't be bad for their long-term future to, you know, shake hands with Dame and say, we love you. We love you for everything we've done for your city. Let's get you to somewhere where you might be able to win a championship next year. I think that if he goes to Miami, that's where I put my money for next year's uh, next year's champion. Just because, I mean, imagining Dame with his mindset in Miami, I mean, that fills one of their biggest needs because obviously Lowry is on his last legs. You know, I mean, we're watching the walking corpse of Kyle Lowry a lot of, for at least the regular season. So, I mean, I just think that, you know, they should, if they're going to trade him and they take that approach, I think they should just do something like that and call it a day. And I think that would be a really smart thing for him. You know, I think they would. Of course, points, which is their their weakness. Yes. Yes. Um, I guess last little rumors going around, um, we we didn't really touch on the the Chris Paul situation too much on this podcast. It uh, they 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 said they're gonna waive him. It seemed like that was kind of just a ploy to get some trade market out there. Uh, I always hate that. I mean, if you say you're gonna cut him, it's the same thing that happens in football all the time. It's like, oh, we're gonna cut him if we don't trade him, and it's like, all right, so great. Now his value is a seventh round pick. So mm-hmm. I think it looks it looks like they want to move on from Chris Paul. Um, looks like they want to find a trade partner. Why? Why? Because he's a joke artist, and like, because he's been great for that team. I think it's just maybe you Durant were. Durant hates him. <laughs> maybe, but uh, I think it's just you're you're you were there, and you were in the finals with them, and it, it ever since it hasn't worked out ever since. So, I think I mean, that could be it. Um, you have a good point. He's, he was the veteran. He was like when, when they traded Chris Paul to the Suns, it was like, oh, that was their, their big veteran move. That was, this is the leader that's going to take them far. And mm. it worked out. So I guess it, it would be interesting to see um, where he does, does end up if he does stay with the team. Uh, I'm here. It's, it seems like the betting favorites is him to join up with Victor Wembanyama in the Spurs, help out that young core. I wouldn't hate it. Uh, but I also wouldn't like it because Wembenyama is not going to be able to compete for another two, three years, and Chris Paul is 30, 38. They already have a point guard who plays very similarly to Chris Paul right now in Trey Jones, and he keeps getting better. So I don't know. Personally, I'd, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I respect the thought process of, like, you know, he's a good mind to have, but I saw a trade that goes back to my Hornets with Chris Paul. Really? Um, yeah. 
Um, it was like not not no room or anything, but I was when I got off work earlier and was just hanging out. I was there was this guy on Bleacher Report who was cooking up Hornets mock trades, and there was one that sent Terry Rozier to Phoenix for Chris Paul, and I I'm all for it. I'm like you know like he's Chris Paul wouldn't start. Um, that's for sure. Um, but he'd be a, a great mind and a great locker room presence for a team that needs that. But honestly, if we're talking Chris Paul, like bar for bar, I'm, I'm with Chris on this one. And I think when you look at it, there's just, in my opinion, it goes back to what, you know, what the, the same theme that we brought up a few times throughout this episode in terms of that impatience, in terms of that, you know, not, you know, that, that unwillingness to allow guys to just not be at their best and then giving them another chance because I mean what happened with Chris you know it's the same I mean you go back to the hypotheticals in Houston if he didn't get hurt in Houston would they have been able to beat Golden State many say probably would you know what could have happened you know in in that whole in the whole playoffs against where they ended up losing in the finals. Chris wasn't at his best. He was having shoulder problems. This year or this playoffs, Chris got hurt. And yes, he does have an injury an injury problem. And if that's what it's about, I understand. But if you're going for roster construction, I just I don't get it off of that alone personally. I think that just because of how close they were and how good they were when everybody was healthy, I don't see why you do it personally. I mean, they were top three in both offensive and defensive rating the entire time that they had both Chris Paul, De- or no, all of Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiden, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker in the game at some point. So I don't know. I just I I don't I don't like moving on from Chris Paul if I'm the Phoenix Suns. And what do you do at point guard? You do move on from him. If you do move on from him, that's um, where I'm at. It's like. Yeah, he's getting the point where he's almost cooked. Do you but... go all in for the Harden thing? Like, what do you do? Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Like that, that's too risky. Kyrie, too. Kyrie, maybe. Kyrie, um, yeah. Just try it again with Durant, and Kyrie. Yeah, run it back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just I don't know, man. It's it's really like I don't think Cameron Payne is ready to be that guy who can just, like, step up and be their next starting point guard assuming they get rid of Chris Paul. So it's like, what do you do? And, I mean, personally, I think it wouldn't be a bad idea having a guy like a Schroeder, like somebody like that. Not saying Schroeder specifically, but somebody that's, like, just going to be kind of that role-playing point guard just to say, hey, like, yeah, we'll, we're just, our job is just to not do too much, but to be enough and to get Booker and KD the ball. Boom. That's basically what he's going to be at this exactly. point in his career. Right. And that's why I don't see why you move Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul is like the exact prototype guy for this roster. They so, they need, if if they keep Paul, they still need to get another point guard. That, that doesn't change because... Was as you just discussed, you went through his whole injury history. Um, yeah. By the time the playoffs come around, he's going to be beaten. He's going to be a little. He's going to be you know forty out. games in the regular season. I mean, yeah, this year he's thirty nine years old. 
So, <laughs> yeah, they are going to need know. to get another point guard that's at least serviceable for sure. This just, I mean, I don't know. Everything we just kind of talked about seems like reasons for why to trade him. But I agree, but you already waived him. It's like, what are you doing? And on top of that, it's like now, I mean, I, and, and it, it's, it goes back to what we said earlier about Beal. Why would they sign him to another massive contract? Why? I just don't understand why. Like, wh- like if you're ever in the position of managing an NBA franchise, this goes for you, Brady, because I know you're considering it or considering trying. <laughs> considering it, yeah, yeah. I got, I got plenty of offers. It's where just, you know, which one I want to do? Don't sign a guy in contract where by the time he finishes the contract, he's going to be forty years old. That doesn't make sense. Nobody does that. And, like, I mean, that's just – that was one of the worst decisions that they could have made. And, I mean, it's – you know, sometimes my dad's kind of an old head. You know, he'll sit – he'll just sit around on his iPad and he'll say some – just, like, some have some Debbie Downer takes about ball. And I get it. But that's one of his <laughs> takes that I couldn't agree more with. If you have a guy – I mean – there are very, 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 very few exceptions to guys who are that old and still extremely productive. And Wrong. Chris Paul is not an exception. The only one. He's by definition the example of that. So I don't know. I don't know why they did it. And now they're once again, or no, yeah, they're now they're another team reaping the benefits or, you know what I mean? reaping the consequences of a terrible contract. So, speaking of big contracts uh, and unfortunate things happening, we are going to move on to the the news that also broke this morning. A little more solidified news, not just rumors and hypotheticals. John Morant is suspended for 25 games of the NBA season starting at the beginning of next season. Is it fair? Is it too high? Is it too low? What do you guys think? Definitely fair. The way that they were talking about it, it felt like he was going to be like shipped overseas. I thought it was pretty <laughs> I thought it could have been a whole season. I, uh, I like. Uh, yeah, twenty five seems fair to me. I think I it's mean, too that's high. Like, that's a big chunk. You do I think it's too okay. high? What? Okay. All right. Brady, Brady, if you think it's too high, tell me this, right? He does it once. He gets eight games. He meets with Adam Silver. He does the whole, I'm going to therapy. Look at me. I'm going to come out better. And then he does it again. It's like, what what do you do for a guy that makes the same mistake twice? Making the mistake once is wrong, and it's a mistake. Making the same mistake twice is absurdity. And that's why I'm like anybody and you know, I saw the whole players association statement saying they think it's unfair. I'm like, dude, if you do if you give him 25 for doing it once, yeah, I would agree. I think it's unfair. Like, you know, yes, it's legal to own a weapon, but that doesn't mean, you know, it goes against its league policy and it's brandishing a weapon. It's stupid. You didn't need to be doing that. He's an idiot. But and well, okay, I'd say he's an He's young and immature. Like I gotta like I, I'm I'm talking about an athlete who at the end of the day he's like four years older than me. I mean he's it's it's really not a big difference. He's just a human being, and he made a mistake. But the thing about it is that again he made the same mistake twice, and that's why 
I wouldn't have been mad if it was more than 25. I was kind of surprised to see it was just 25. And am I okay with it? 1,000% I'm fine with it being just 25 because I think he's great for the league and, like, in general, objectively. But it was, I mean, it's just an incredible lack of judgment for him to do the same thing twice. And I I just can't believe how you, like, I mean, how can you look the commissioner of the NBA in the eyes and say, I'm sorry, Adam, or I'm sorry, Mr. Silver. I won't do it again. I appreciate this light sentence. And then you do it again. Yeah. I okay. I, I will say. Who takes Adam Silver seriously? <laughs> um, I do think the second offense is, uh, is it, it does make it, uh, make the 25 a little warranted. But you, when you're looking at it, it's 30% of the season. Uh, he's your, your high market guy. He's supposed to be the next generation. And he, he is supposed, I mean, and in doing so, flashing a gun on, Instagram live is not uh is not what you want in the look of the next generation for the NBA. But I like Miles Bridges and I guess he was out all season, but they yeah. then they changed it and said it was like a 30 game suspension that he already passed and no it was it was it was 30 and 10 of it was already served. So he's going to be out I think or it was 25. He's going to be out 15 games even if he plays again next season. So he like he does something way way worse and gets and i i guess he was you know basically kicked out of the league this season but that wasn't because that wasn't an nba ruling and yeah. now for i just think for that to roll in as 15 next year and then looking at this being 25 uh doesn't make a lot of sense in my head I and agree. that's a great perspective. i didn't even consider that the the other thing is I, like I just think they're losing. Memphis is a small market, and losing him for thirty percent of the season is, or regular season, is going to take a hit on on the team standing, on the team, uh, the, the team's popularity. So I think you know, I, and this isn't saying like oh we shouldn't have been suspended at all. I'm thinking like you know like eighteen games, maybe maybe twenty ish. Um. I just think they, they probably tacked on a couple extra because of what you said um, with the second offense. And it makes sense. I mean, when you're, I, it, does, it does make sense. I just think it, uh, it was uh, a little pricey. But you're making a statement if you're Adam Silver. You're, you're, putting, you're putting, hopefully, everything to rest. And yeah. hopefully uh, another player doesn't end up making the same mistakes because they see what it resulted in for John Moran. I think that it was, you know, I, I, I'm just kind of sitting here thinking about, I, I like the comparison, but I think now that we're making the comparison, we have to acknowledge that it's almost unfair to make just because you're not, you know, you can really only compare the first time jaw did that to the mile suspension, because I think that the only thing you're really able to fairly compare is Jaws first offense and Jaws second offense. And they happened so closely together and Jaw had the commissioner under the impression that it wasn't going to happen again and it did. And that's why it ended up being what it ended up being. Now, to take it like to take away from the suspension perspective and to shift gears to the team standings perspective, a lot of evidence points to saying 
that the Grizzlies might very well be just fine without Jaw this season. Well, not the entire season, but at least when he's serving his suspension. And then who knows? You know. Yeah, they've been missed. good without him. They've been more than okay without him. In fact, they. I mean, I'll look it up on StatMuse right now, but I'm pretty sure they have like a sixty-some percent winning percentage without him. I mean, they're very years good. ago. They went like in many two ways two or something ridiculous without. Um, sorry, what did you say, Chris? Two years ago, didn't they go like? 18 and 2 or something ridiculous without him. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes 20 and 5. Yeah. The Grizzlies are 33 and 17 without John Morant since last season, including the playoffs. 21 and 7 in 2022, 12 and 10 in 2023. So, I mean, it goes to say, I mean, and if um, I don't know where, I'm, where I'd find these statistics, but I know that um, they play – Typically, they play more efficient basketball, defend better, and move the ball better, or better, all when Jaw is not on the floor. So, I don't know. I mean, who knows how it's going to actually affect the Grizzlies standing. And I think that Jaw, you know, as he said, he's going to take the time, he's going to train, he's going to do all that stuff, like, go for it. But at the end of the day, like, I think when he comes back, he has to say, you know, do what's best for the team to win rather than just having these incredible individual performances like we're so accustomed to see from him. I think that, you know, in many cases, you know, flying up in the air towards the rim and getting charges called against you is just not going to be what's best for the team. And there's a lot of things like that where he just has to become a smarter, more disciplined basketball player, not just a smarter, more disciplined person. So I think that um, this group... One thing at a time areas yeah he's got to figure out one thing at a time definitely well i mean both may they're like one may help each other is all i'm saying you know you never know and i think that it could end up benefiting memphis that their stars having this kind of midlife crisis you know i think it might put in put some things in a perspective for him and help them you know bounce back and adjust the way that they need to to where they can actually be the contender that people have been trying to say that they should be I hope so. How many guns do you think he's going to buy while he's, he's Hopefully none. A couple water guns. <laughs> so. It's like when the, when Apple changed the gun emoji to the water gun. Yes. Stopped gun violence. <laughs> so to end this podcast on a lighter note than the John Morant suspension, Carl uh, Anthony Towns decided to, to add some comedy into the world. Uh, this past couple days, hopped on the Pat Bev pod, which is always a good sign to to start uh, a headline. Oh, he <laughs> hops on the Pat Bev pod. You already know. Just hosted genius, by Barstool. Yeah, genius takes are coming when uh, they're they're on the Pat Bev pod. So he <laughs> came out and he said that his the Timberwolves, Pat Bev's, and the Timberwolves run in the play in. Um, I guess now two years ago was more impressive. Than the Nuggets. Oh, this year. But they didn't make. Oh, I. I mean, I thought they were talking about Pat Bev standing up on the table and then yeah, the, the play. Yeah, yeah, were they? Well, yeah. I thought it was this year because it was Go Bears. I thought that's what he meant. I'm pretty sure. No I, way. It doesn't. Yeah, matter. it doesn't matter. But uh, I yeah, I think it was the one with Pat Bev. But I, I don't. It doesn't matter. Okay. And uh, they either way, 
They said it's better. It's a better run than what the Nuggets just did in the NBA Finals, <laughs> and that that they deserve more credit. Basically, I don't. <laughs> why even? Why even say this? It was so serious. Like, do you too. want? Yeah, do you like, want to be clowned? That people are like not giving him respect. He and also he also said that guy in the league. he also said that when he leaves basketball, he will uh, forever have changed the center position. <laughs> And he said that yeah. he could he could drop forty points every night if the coach let him. But <laughs> I think I think like those things are crazy. But I think what might even be worse than all of that, I saw either a notification or an Instagram post of the quote of what because when you originally when you told me before we recorded or we started recording about this. What I thought of from this episode was when um, when Pat Bev said that Carl Towns was the best offensive player in the or, or was the best center in the league as well as one of the best offensive players in the league. And I'm like, listen, I get it. You want to be facetious right after Jokic leads the Nuggets to a title. I understand. But at the end of the day... Saying that is just so atrocious. And when the vast majority of the time, Towns wasn't even playing center this year. And yes, he is better <laughs> as a center. Sure, you can, all of us can agree that this Gobert exper- experiment, it was stupid from the start. But destined to fail. Why even, I mean, I don't know, man. I, hearing Pat Bev. And everybody's entitled to their opinion, but hearing him speak about some things just makes me less inner or like intrigued to listen to the things he might have to say in the future. Is this for me? Is this like a a ploy to try to be a villain, try to be one of the most hated players in the league? Because he's he's asking for it. He's asking for for one of the 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 least respected players in the league. Because when you say stupid shit like this, uh, you you become a meme, and in this day and age, uh, the the memes are everything, especially for the NBA. The so I don't know, like, what is the angle here? Is the angle to try to gain some more respect, try to get some hate behind him because he was going at Jokic? It's not like he's gonna be able to back it up. So I don't I don't understand any of this. Like they Dude, this literally is the same lost. Guy who... Oh, go ahead. Said after the Warriors won other championships, when he was like Curry had the last four years, the next four are mine. Oh yeah, Pat Bev. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when Curry said, when Curry said, "Aren't you like thirty two? Like that was hilarious to me. <laughs> it was like, dude, like, okay, so like those years where you're just going further into your thirties are gonna be yours. Sick. <laughs> I also I I love and I'm glad that you brought that up. He he sees how Pat Bev is and how like respect respected he is as a player. Um mm. and what was he just like, all right, I want to be just like Pat Bev. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like me me and Pat are that close. Like let's get let's get Pat Bev. Let's get on his level. That's just wild to me. I mean, and it brings, like, I don't know why. I mean, this is just one of my other favorite NBA memes. I know this has, like, nothing to do with Pat Bev, but I think my other favorite NBA meme right now 
and this is kind of old, but it's, you know, the same thing we texted about probably about a month ago in our chat, Brady, of when Bradley Beal dropped 30 a game for the Wizards, and they were in dead last, and he was, like, basically crying to get named an all-star because of how incredible he was statistically. When it's like, oh my gosh, y'all were not a good team. Like, like why, you know, like why are you this upset about being an all-star when your your team just sucks? Like it yeah. makes sense that you're like if you got left off the ballot just because you were dropping 30 some a game, like, yeah, somebody's gotta get buckets. Like, come on now. Yeah, I think that's like perfect Carl Anthony Towns territory too, where it's like, well, someone's gotta get the buckets on the team. And I think Carl Anthony Towns and he could score forty every night if the coach let him. Like obviously, he would just take every shot. Yeah, right. And I also, I mean, and that being said, good player to do I do think Carl Anthony Towns is a is a good player. Um, he's definitely not going to change the game of basketball when he retires, and he definitely <laughs> has no good reason to ever say that the the Nuggets run wasn't good. Or it wasn't comparable to their Minnesota run, which was literally a play-in victory that Pat Bev uh, <laughs> stood on top of the table and thought that they won the championship. Um, that's so crazy. We're already so, giving him too much attention. Then, yeah, exactly and it's it, this is what it was. It was this is exactly what he wants. You're right, Chris. He uh, he wants people to to come on these shows and and talk about how ridiculous these takes are, and then talk about Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> So and don't get me wrong, it's it's awesome that he's a great shooter. You know, it's awesome that yes, like him being a center and being able to space the floor like that. You know, yes, that made the game of basketball or like it made it. You know, it's something that you don't see still out of a ton of centers. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't like the first center to start shooting a ridiculous amount of threes. Like, he wasn't, like, the first center to start shooting threes in general. He's making it seem like he revolutionized centers shooting threes, and once he retires, that's going to be his legacy. But at the end of the day, just about nobody's going to think of that. Yeah, people remember him. And nobody's going to think about him. Carl Anthony Towns. Well, yeah, people, <laughs> people are going to remember the fact that, like, oh, yeah, it's cool that, like, you know, he was the first big man to ever win a three-point contest. Like, that's pretty cool. He was, you know, I mean, he was a really good three-point shooter for a big man, but he didn't just be that guy. It wasn't like, oh, Carl Towns got drafted. Oh, wow, center centers are starting to shoot threes now. Like, that's yeah. not going to be his legacy in by any means. Sure, like, some, but, like, the like he, it, it, it makes me think of it like, you know, he views it as he was the guy who walked so centers could shoot threes and they're running per se yeah but in reality other centers walked aka dabbled in shooting threes and then he just took that torch and ran with it which is great it's cool don't get me wrong good for him but i i don't think that that's something that he should like significantly pride himself on because i think that he should pride himself on the fact that yeah he's a good player he's a good three-point shooter but saying that he's good that he changed the league and once he retires he will have changed the league I, it's a ridiculous take it's a ridiculous thing to say i mean i think it's kind of embarrassing from on his part um i mean you're right we're giving him what he wants we gotta stop but <laughs> it's it, like Carl Anthony mean, clowns yeah and like I, and I know I, I, I don't know him but he, 
I know I've heard him talk enough to know that he's a very good person. He doesn't need to be doing the stuff that he's doing with saying things like that. He doesn't. I mean, I mean, you see it. And there's it, just no the warrant same. for it. There's no warrant. For yeah, it. there's no. There's it. It's just it's stuff that doesn't need to be said. You know, let other people do the talking for you. You know, it's why it's how a lot of stars operate, and it's just like you know, you can't just demand your flowers. I mean, sure, Embiid kind of did it and got him eventually. Like, good for him. But the best stars are. You're not gonna say like, I deserve a championship and just win a championship. No, you're gonna work incredibly hard and go win a championship. You know, so I don't know. That's my opinion. I, I don't know. I think that sometimes guys just have high pride and want to separate themselves from elite and from the league and may like give themselves respect. But in at the end of the day, it's just not that impressive. It's like you get respect by being a great player, and you know you'll know that by when you get the respect that you feel like you deserve. And if you aren't getting it, then go earn it. You know, like stop talking. All right. I think that does it. We covered everything we wanted to cover today. Thank you, Aaron, for coming on. Uh, oh, I, I, I know you uh you had a couple podcasts yourself at a couple points. If you want to shout them out, go right ahead. Um I don't know. I don't know if you're still still grinding yeah, out or not. Um, yeah, th- thank you for giving me that opportunity. Well, thank you guys for having me on today. This was a ton of fun. Um I really enjoyed this. Um, for you guys listening, um, I don't really have a consistent posting schedule or anything, but if you guys would like or not, I really don't care, but if you would feel so nice and you enjoyed listening to me, I would appreciate it. If you do go follow ordinary guys, um, podcast on Instagram. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it's happening slash coming out yet. But um, on in a few weeks, um, a couple, well, my cousin potentially and one of my best friends and I, we're going to do in uh, just a long form pod on men's mental health. And because wow. on top of five month it is men's mental health month or um, yeah, men's mental health month. And apparently there's also a men's mental health awareness month in November. But, you know, we were for the fact that it was then we just we always kind of wanted to do an episode on just men's mental health and mental health in general so if you like if you like stuff like that just life topics philosophy stuff go over there follow it um we're gonna be talking about that soon so i'd appreciate the support there but again thank you guys for having me on this was sick um would love to come back anytime so great talking ball with y'all chris and brady and once again nice meeting you chris yeah, this was a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Yes, um, sir. So yeah, go check out go check out that. That's I think that's a great uh great point out that it's also men's mental mental health awareness month. And uh, you know, that needs to be celebrated too. So that's great. Um Chris, your dog's barking. Seems like it's time to go. No. Um you got anything to got anything to say before we head out? Put me on the spot. Um College corner, we lost our baseball coach to Alabama. Rough. That sucks, but yeah. It does suck. Uh, all right. Ready for the draft. Ready for the draft. <laughs> uh, it'll be exciting. We're going to do a full mock draft on Tuesday uh, of, the, of the lottery. I mean, it's a crapshoot after that. Let's not, let's not be, let's not, you know, waste our time there. So check that out Tuesday. 
Uh, draft coming Thursday. And a lot to talk about come Friday. So thank you all for listening. Thanks again, Aaron, for hopping on. And we'll see yes, everybody next Tuesday.